and welcome to the Clock and Talk, an Arsenal podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. I'm your host, Tez, each and every week. Uh, Tony, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad. It's a shame um, Schwing couldn't join us this week. I think after the backlash he got last week, uh, even though he wasn't involved, it's probably scared him away for a bit, but hopefully we can get him out of his comfort zone soon. Um, <laughs> speaking about last week, we obviously got quite a bit of backlash on Twitter. Um and uh, we're not going to speak about the subjects too much because, let's be honest, they're not really Arsenal-related. But I just have a quick message um, that I wanted to say about last week's uh, podcast. From the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologise to absolutely nobody. Uh, obviously the words of Conor McGregor, but I couldn't have said it better myself, so Conor just said it for me. <laughs> Sounds good, mate. Okay, um... Yeah, I'm not even going to get drawn up into that, so we'll move right along. Uh, World Cup, that's our last time we recorded podcast was before the semi-finals, and football was coming home, Tony. Yeah, it's been a long time since we recorded. When we recorded, football was definitely coming home. Um, now it's not, obviously. Um, you jinxed us by saying we'd win. <laughs> Obviously, you knew it was going to happen. Did you see so sad then when you said that? No, it's obviously not. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're, you know, no, I, most people, the vast majority of people, didn't actually think we were going to win it. But it did unite the country, and everyone here was happy. And if obviously you're, you're not in England, but no one's ever happy. So to have people that actually talk to each other and enjoying each other's company and having a laugh, which really isn't common, uh, it was just such a feel-good thing. As I said, I, I at no point believed we were going to win it, as you know. Mm. Um, but it was good to have everyone happy and excited and having something to look forward to in all honesty Croatia deserved to beat us they had a much better team I thought we was very poor um, we should have gone 2-0 up and had we gone 2-0 up the game was over Kane should have scored um, and, and that's it that would have been England in the final but should have and would have if, if my uncle would have a vagina he'd be my aunt um, so yeah it was, it was disappointing but Croatia deserved it I just would like to take one moment to be smug and anyone that's listened to us for a while listen to my prediction before the World Cup. I didn't obviously think England would get as far as they did, but pretty much how I said we was going to play was true. Trippier and set pieces and kick and run. Mm -hmm. That's literally all we've done the whole tournament. So I don't always get things right, but at this occasion when I have got something right, I'm going to gloat about it. So that's my claim to fame. I predicted how England were going to play six weeks ago, and I was correct. Bang on the money, mate. Um, in saying that, and I'll just look touch quickly on England, They were, for me, they weren't that disappointing. Like, okay, and when I say weren't that disappointing, I don't... Did anyone actually think that you were going to get as far as you did? Like, what was the vibe over there? No, so before the tournament, no one thought we were going to get anywhere. But I think it was just the way we went out where we did have chances. I, I kept saying to people that is the best chance we're ever going to have in my lifetime just because of the way the draw went uh, and everything and uh, we keep hearing now oh, you beat a load of rubbish teams but we're forgetting Sweden topped Germany's group with Germany and Mexico Colombia were never a bad team but suddenly because we beat them they became awful overnight I don't know about the perception worldwide but this is what we're hearing here oh, we only beat rubbish teams mm-hmm. granted we had a slightly easier group than, than other teams um, but Colombia are by no means a bad side Sweden made hard life for everyone I mean Germany beat them in the 97th minute I think it was so we did have a nice draw it's not as easy as everyone's making out but um, 
before the tournament, no one had any expectations. And when all the It's Coming Home stuff started, it was all a big joke. Like, no one believed we was going to do anything. So it was more sarcasm. Like, oh, do you see the England game? Yeah, it's coming home. Mm-hmm. And then as we got further through the tournament, and I don't think people started really to believe it, but it gave us something to get behind. Like, And, and as you know, like, I was saying it at the end of every sentence as a, as, a, like, as a joke. And that's what it was. It was a joke the whole way through. It wasn't people like, oh, seriously, it's coming home. No one was going to put bet, betting big money on it or getting tattooed. I think one guy got a tattoo of it. But you always get one idiot. There's probably an Australia <laughs> fan that got world champion oh. tattooed on him. Oh. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, I mean, there's always one idiot that does it, but no one actually yeah. actually thought, expected anything. I think, I think I said before the tournament, I, last 16 would have been kind of what I expected. Uh, and we got further than that, but it is just disappointing because of the chance we had. Mm-hmm. Um, now we'll get into the final France-Croatia it was pretty much France's tournament wasn't it yeah I mean we've got to start with with one big point and I, I tweeted this as it was happening for me never in a million years was that a penalty um, and I tweeted it at the time as it, as it was being as the refs was going to VAR it was before he'd given it but I just tweeted not for me like as mm. in for me that's never a penalty yep. and I was surprised that quite a lot of uh, followers um, tweeted back saying, oh, for them, it definitely was. And Savvy, who used to obviously be on the podcast, and, and quite a few people were, were coming through with valid arguments. I'm not saying they were wrong, but I, I was very surprised. And when I like spoke to some players, obviously not top-level players, but when I spoke to some players and I looked on Twitter and all the pundits, they were all saying not a penalty. And I was surprised at how strong uh, some people's views were that it was a penalty. Uh, I can understand where they're coming from. As I said, for me, it was never in a million years. Um, but all the polls I've seen have been sort of like 80, 20, not a penalty. But some people did have some very good points. But yeah, for me, I'm not going to say it ruined the final because it was a very good game with or without the, the VAR penalty. But for me, I would be distraught if that was given against us. Yeah, look, I agree with everything you said there. I, I don't think I even challenged you on it because for me, it wasn't a penalty either. Um, but out of that game... There was also a bit of talk about Griezmann, how he'd done his celebration. He, he went over and done the the, the, well, the Joker dance or and the um, with the loser up on the forehead. That, that seemed to get a little bit of backlash as well. What was your thoughts on that? Look, I mean, he does it all the time. Is it annoys me? Of course it annoys me. But that's just his celebration. It's, it's what he does. It's, it's from Fortnite, the game. I don't play it. Someone younger than me told me that. It's from the game. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, it is what it is. It's the same as I don't particularly like Jesse Lingard dabbing or Jesse Lingard doing whatever stupid dance he done the Millie Rock he done at the Emirates or his stupid little thumbs up thing he does. Or <laughs> you know, what I mean, there's loads of players yeah. celebrations like uh, flossing. Uh, flossing's half entertaining, but it's the same thing. It's from it's from Fortnite, the game. So everyone was flossing. Uh, if you're uncle and old like me google what a floss is if you don't know uh, but loads of players would do it and Griezmann just chose another celebration from the game I, I don't particularly like it but I don't think it's backlash worthy he done it at the Emirates um, when he scored against us it's not I, I don't really think it's a talking point yeah okay um, now one other thing Giroud obviously he was an Arsenal player for many years we love Giroud um, you know I take the piss out with a couple of mates uh, Glenn in particular but you know, he's an Arsenal player, and we do have a question on it later, but I don't want to, so I won't go too much into it. But 
What was your thoughts on his whole tournament? Uh, you know, there was a, a fair bit going around that hasn't had a shot on target, didn't score a goal. Um, you know, there was others missed out on on the opportunity. No, I mean, look, to be honest, he does a job. Um, he's not really there as a goal scorer. When you've got Griezmann and Mbappe behind or to the side of you, and then you've got the running power in midfield of a Pogba and a Matuidi, he, he's there to occupy defenders, give them other players space, it means they can go long if they have to. He can hold the ball up. He gives a defender's physical presence to, to think about. Look, in an ideal world, of course he'd want to score goals, but I, I think he'd done the job he was there to do. And it's quite interesting that both times France have won the World Cup, their main striker hasn't scored. I forget the guy's name who, in 98, it began with G. I can't remember his name. And he only ever played 14 times for France. Mm. But I think he played every game in that World Cup, didn't score. But he, he'd done that job. And interestingly, obviously... Deschamps played in that team so he, it's like he's kind of moulded this team on the team that he won the World Cup with and Giroud is is that guy um, playing the same role as I said of course he would want to score and want to have shots on target but at the end of the day he'd rather come away with the World Cup winner's medal and I don't think anyone can criticise and also I'm, I'm, I'm not sure but what, who is it Mbappe got his first goal against Peru I think it was uh, where Giroud had a shot and I think it was going in before uh, Mbappe uh, touched it about a yard or two out. Obviously, it doesn't count as a shot on target because someone else has had a shot on target off the back of it. But, I, th- I mean, if you want to look at things like that, I think that probably was going in. So, mm-hmm. not that it would bother, it doesn't bother me and it wouldn't bother him. I, I, he couldn't care less. He's got a World Cup win- uh, winner's medal hanging around his neck. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, we haven't got Schwinn here, so we can't really go through our predictions and things because I, I can't even remember who we said or what we said. Um, obviously, Mbappe, he deserved the youngest uh, player of the tournament. Um, who else would the awards go to? Harry Kane, he got the golden boot. No arguments yeah. there. And, um, well, you can't argue that. I just, I just want to bring that up quickly because, again, I don't want to defend the Tottenham player, but yep. there's been so much press here, and I don't know if you've had it elsewhere, and I've seen it a lot on Twitter saying, oh, worst golden boot ever, winner ever, three penalties, two, two headers from inside the six-yard box and, and a deflection. But he's got six goals. I think second was Griezmann with four. There was a few players with four. But Griezmann was second with four. Three penalties and the biggest goalkeeping mistake of the tournament against Uruguay. Then uh, Lukaku got four in the first two games against Panama and um, Tunisia. He got Mm -hmm. four goals and then didn't score after that. So sort of, if you're going to start saying he doesn't deserve it due to the quality of his goals, which is absolute nonsense anyway... But then you've got to start looking to who came 5th, 6th and 7th to start saying, oh, you got the golden boot because you only got half the amount of goals that Kane did, but they were of better quality. It's nonsense. You score goals, you score goals. It is what it is. Yeah, and and something about Kane, he's just, he just knows how to score. And and he's always there. Um, like, okay, there was a couple, there was the, what, three penalties, wasn't there? Yeah, three penalties. One, one deflected off his heel as well, which he didn't know anything about. Yeah, people discrediting the headers because they were close to the goal. You have to be in that position and you have to have them reactions. And It's not even been like Arsenal fans just trying to discredit him because he plays for Tottenham. I've seen people just completely discredit him. Oh, six goals, but yeah, they're, they're rubbish goals. So I don't think he deserves the golden boot. And the golden boot is fact. You scored mm. more goals than anyone else. And again, I'm not even defending because he's English. I just think it's... I think he had an awful tournament, to be honest. I don't think he played well. But... To say, oh, he doesn't deserve it because the quality of his goals wasn't enough for me is the biggest load of nonsense ever. It's like, I mean, look, Ronaldo got fourth. He was joint second. He got them in the first two games, the same as Lukaku. But he got a hat-trick against Spain. One was a huge goalkeeper mistake. One was a penalty. 
great free kick, and then he got a header from inside the six-yard box in the next game. So, again, would people say, oh, Ronaldo doesn't deserve to be joint second because his goals were rubbish and against in the first two games as well? Mm. Like, when with the golden boot, it's fact. You scored more goals than anyone else. You don't need to look at how they came and why they happened. He got more goals than anyone else. That's it. Um, now, just as who was your... Obviously, Germany, they were the team that disappointed the most. Is there another team that comes to mind quickly? Uh, I mean, Argentina somewhat, because I don't think they impressed in any game. I thought they were lucky to get through their group. They were embarrassed by Croatia. Obviously, lost to... I uh, drew with Iceland. Good game against Nigeria. Lucky to get through. Late goal. And then France, the 4-3, it kind of looks close on paper, but I don't think there was a... a after after France equalised to make it 2-2 I don't think there's oh, ever yeah. any doubt yeah. from there who's going to win it so obviously not on Germany levels but I, I thought Argentina failed to to live up to the benchmark everyone expected what was your best game you saw? Um, probably France uh, Spain uh, Portugal or Belgium Brazil even though it was low scoring I thought the quality of that was very good 2-1 Belgium mm-hmm. but that Spain, that Spain game was exceptional. I remember saying at the time, I've said it on the podcast, I think I tweeted it, I couldn't remember the last time I'd seen a game of that quality. It wasn't just that there was a lot of goals. The quality of the whole game, the, the possession football from Spain, the counter-attacking football from Portugal. Obviously, Ronaldo scored a joke of a free kick at the end to, to add the drama and I mean, an 87th-minute equaliser. Nacho's goal was insane. I think it was just one of them games that sort of had everything. Yep. Um, just a standout player, someone that you thought, you know, not in the finals, just throughout the tournament that you thought, oh, well, he, he was good? Uh, it's difficult. I was, tr- I was trying to think before the game, and I think I messaged you and Schwinn and said, who wins the Golden Ball? And it was the day before the final, I think I said it. And Schwinn said Griezmann, which I, I don't think Griezmann had a good tournament. I really rate Griezmann, but I don't think he had a brilliant tournament. Uh, obviously, Modric won it, and I can see why he played well, but... I don't know. I don't know if I would given. I I would have given it to him. But then you say, who would you given it to? And I don't know the answer to that either. Mm-hmm. For me, I think had Mbappe been twenty five, I think he would have won it. I just I think I think they don't want to give it to someone to have both. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I think if he was already an established pro and, and and done what he did, had had say a Gareth Bale done that and Wales went to final and won it, Gareth Bale would win it without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. So for me, I. I think there's a strong argument for Mbappe getting it, but Modric was excellent. There's no taking that away from him. Um, last World Cup, there was, you know, Yamas Rodriguez, he was the type of the player that everyone went well about. I thought uh, Golovin for Russia, he was he was really good. He, he's top of that player now who's come out that everyone wants to buy in the transfer window. Um, is there another player that comes to mind for you? Um... Not really. I mean, look, uh, some people knew about uh, Golovin before. As I've said it on here before, I actually think, I don't think he underperformed in the World Cup. I think he was very good, but I think he's shown a higher level, although against worse opposition, for Moscow. Um, I prefer him playing a bit deeper, whereas he played as a 10 for Russia. Mm. Um, I I personally prefer him a bit deeper. I'd imagine Cheryshev will probably get a move off the back of the World Cup. Um, In England, all the talks about Harry Maguire, I thought he had an excellent tournament. Um, again, I'm not just saying it because I'm English. I, I thought Maguire was pretty much excellent in every game. Um, I don't think that there's not been like a Hammers like standout. I think all of the players that, even when we just mentioned in the Golden Ball, obviously Hammers 
everyone thought, thought he should have won it. They gave it to Messi for because Adidas sponsored it pretty much, but mm. um, everyone thought Hammers deserved it. Whereas this year, when you look at who we've just discussed as deserving the golden ball, you've got Modric, who's already at Real Madrid, and Mbappe is currently the second or third most expensive player ever. So I don't think there was like a real surprise breakout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, excuse me. Now, just, oh, just quickly, Arsenal players of the uh, World Cup, any one there that you thought, well, I'm, you know, good, looking for a good season, especially the new signings? <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I think it was quite not a disappointing tournament for Arsenal players, but there was no standout, like even standout performances. I thought Lichstein had done quite well against Neymar in the first game because we all know how hard Neymar can be to defend against. If he doesn't beat you, he's going to go down and usually gets a free kick. So I thought Lichstein had done well there. Uh, Xhaka had a good game against Serbia. Welbeck only played 10 minutes. Um, El Neni, the Egypt, lost every game. So it's... I'm not saying he played badly, but you're not going to have a standout performance when you've lost every game. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't really think it was a good tournament for um, Arsenal players. Yeah. Um, and lastly, on the World Cup, what was your goal of the tournament? For me, uh, I, I can't even see any argument in this. It was Pavard uh, against Argentina. <laughs> I literally think it was outrageous. Mm. Nacho's goal was very similar, and for me, that would be second. But I, I thought Benjamin Pavard was better. Uh, when I tweeted that out, the vast majority of people said Pavard won Nacho too. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, I tweeted it because at half time in the final, uh, the BBC was showing like, I think they showed 10 or 12 goals to choose from. And then their panel at full time chose what they thought it was. And they gave it to Chadley against Japan, which was a good goal. But for me, it doesn't even come close. Mm-hmm. What a month of footballer. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss it immediately, like straight away, because I've literally just sat home watching football for a month. Yeah, so yeah. I, it's annoying with the World Cup because if you have like a really good weekend of Premier League football, it's like okay, there's a few more, there's more games in, you know what I mean? Either the midweek or the worst case, in one week, there's more games, like the next weekend. Yeah. Whereas with the World Cup, it's like, oh well, the next time I'm actually going to care about international football is the Euros in in two years. And and for you guys who, I mean, you don't really care about the Asia Cup or whatever it is you play in. Mm. It's like, oh, the only international football you've got to care about is hopefully you qualify for the World Cup in four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll keep an eye on it. I also I enjoy the Euros as well because I, I you know, obviously enjoy the World Cup. Um, but just just quickly, I just noticed Iceland. They had a, they had a terrible tournament compared to what they uh, did in the Euros, didn't they? Uh, yes and no. I mean, they had a hard group. They grew, drew with Argentina, um, and then and then lost to Nigeria and and Croatia. I mean, look, there's obviously no shame in losing to Croatia. Um, Nigeria was maybe a bit of a shock, but I think you got to remember in the Euros the way that they changed the format. Three teams went through from every group, uh, so they went through. They, they played England, who were awful, beat mm. us deservedly. Um, and then everyone just assumed they were a good team and they lost the next round I think they lost 5-2 to France um, again no shame in losing to France but they essentially had one win that anyone remembers and it was against England against and England. they done well I'm not taking anything away from them it was a very poor England side you mm. got to remember we had Harry Kane on set pieces yeah <laughs> um, you guys are, what is and you were pretty critical at the start of Southgate picking his England team at the start as well you obviously think you know, it's a pretty good team for the future um, I think every criticism I had that still stands, we still didn't have a footballer um, against that Croatia game. It needed someone to hold on to the ball. And 
Look, I, I don't rate Jordan Henderson, as anyone that listens will know, but uh, and I thought he had an excellent tournament up until that game, uh, up until the semi, and where we needed someone to try and keep the ball. And he kept just kicking the ball into the corners. It was like he's playing rugby. Mm. It's like playing for territory. I get him in the corner and try and box him in. Um, and I think that game was calling out for a Jack, a Shelby, a Lalana, even even Loftus Cheek sitting on the bench. I know they don't play as deep as Henderson, and Henderson does a different job. But we needed someone to get their foot on the ball. Lingard impressed me through the tournament with like his third man running and his running power. But we didn't need to run against them. We just needed someone that could actually hold the ball and I, I think everyone highlighted that when Southgate picked the squad and it took longer to hurt us than expected but it did in the end hurt us mm-hmm. uh, Southgate done a lot of things that impressed me as well uh, and I didn't expect him to uh, um, the the way he got everyone fighting together his set piece you can't argue with the way he's, he, he set up set pieces because we were the most dangerous team in the tournament from set pieces I felt like we was going to score every time we had a corner and I know the fans of the other teams playing against us and even the managers were like, this is going to be dangerous every time England get a wide free kick or, or a corner. So you've got to give Southgate some credit. Um, but I think all the mistakes we highlighted at the start of the tournament were still there. Mm. Mm. Okay, that's about it on our World Cup. And like I said, I haven't got what we predicted. I do vaguely remember you saying Egypt will have a bad tournament. I think you also said Mo Salah. Um something along them lines as well about Salah, but which he, he, he what he had that one game, he scored one goal, but that was about it. No, he got two, he got two he in two, two games, so it'd probably be a bit harsh to say he had a bad tournament, but as a nation, losing all three games, I don't, I don't think you can really argue that we're saying they had a bad tournament. Mm. I think, I, I think, and I'm not just saying this, it's only because I had not much money on them, but I had a small bet on France, so I'd imagine, I, I, I remember us all sort of, sort of saying, well, you didn't, but me and Schwinn, I think we both said, I think I said Germany and France, I was looking to go deep. Um, again, I'm not saying that because they won. I think that's what I said at the time. I, I may be wrong, but mm-hmm. I had a little bet on them, so I'd imagine that's what I said. Otherwise, that would have been a stupid bet. <laughs> I think I said Uruguay, they were going to be a dark horse, which they, they have a pretty good tournament. But um, well, you heard they go out against France, didn't they? Yeah, 2 0. 2 0. So, yeah. Anyway, that's our World Cup. Uh, edition and, and you know we've been covering it each podcast and we're going to miss it because I've enjoyed talking a bit of World Cup with you boys as well so um, now moving on to Arsenal because it's going to be all Arsenal from here on in and um, we had a game during the week I think it was when the semi-final of the World Cup was on Tony no not the semi-final uh, the, the third fourth playoff third, fourth playoff so Boreham Wood uh, we beat Beat them what eight nil? Yeah, um, very. Uh, he said to be fair, he did. He did say he wanted to see his players, so he was going to play a strong lineup. We tend to play them most years because we play our our reserve games or our under twenty three games there. And if we're at home in Europe and the under twenty threes or under twenty ones have a European game, they they play it at Boreham Wood. So I think it's part of the agreement of us using their ground that we have a friendly with them most years. Mm-hmm. But it's usually described as an Arsenal eleven. Uh, and it's made clear that, like, even to fans buying tickets, that it's not Arsenal, it's an Arsenal eleven. Right. So, yes, that like you, you tend to see most of those youth players that are going to be playing there throughout the season. But Emery made it clear that he wanted to see his players, so it was Arsenal. And mm. uh, so, I mean, it was a bit of a mix. Everyone played, everyone that was fit has played. Uh, Leno didn't, apart from Leno, because he came to training late. 
Um, not it wasn't his fault. He was given an extra week off. Um, but yeah, everyone played. I mean, we're starting against a, a conference side with Aubameyang and Lacazette in the team. There's always going to be. I mean, you're going to expect a comfortable win. I didn't see the game because I think it was on Arsenal player, and it was anyway. It might have been a few other people that probably didn't see it. Um, what was the lineup, mate? And what was the formation? I can't remember the exact lineup off the top of my head, but the front three was uh, was Aubameyang left, uh, Lacazette nine, and Nelson on the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emil Smith Rowe started and played very well. Um, Mavropanos and Socrates were the, were the centre backs, checking goal. Um, Bellerin right back, Maitland Niles, Willock, and uh, and Emil Smith Rowe were in midfield, and then. Uh, Osei Tutu played left back who's not really a left back but we only had one and, and obviously he wanted we played two different teams in, in each half so they had to force someone to play left back and it, and it happened mm. to be Osei Tutu yeah usually these games I don't, I don't take a lot of um, or much away from you know 8-0 obviously I know nothing about Boreham Wood um, anything you need to go on that on this game or because I take absolutely nothing from it it's a friendly for Uh, me and that's about it yeah I think you'd be stupid to look too deep into it it's it's our first friendly as well Um, there was players that looked good and there was players that didn't look so good Um, one of them was Socrates didn't look didn't look great and I know we've got a question on it it's the only reason I bring it up but it's his first game in a new country. He's only really had a week and a bit of pre-season. So you can't, as much as I'm not going to praise Aubameyang for getting a hat-trick, because let's be honest, it's meaningless, uh, I'm not going to hammer Socrates for, for not looking great. Uh, what I will say is Aubameyang looked very, very sharp. Um, not that he didn't last season, but he looked like he'd been in pre-season longer than everyone else. Yeah, he, right. he just, he looked electric, he looked up for it. And, I'm not saying he didn't, as I said, he, he always looked up for it, but he didn't look like it was his first game back after pre-season. He looked like he had already hit his stride. Well, okay. I'm, I'm actually going to have a little side bet for him. I reckon he'll be the top, the top goal scorer in the Premier League this year. I don't know what the odds are, but I'm going to have a bet on that. So each and every week we ask our listeners to give us a call and join us on Skype and uh, ask a question. You two can get in on that. Uh, you can hit us up on Skype. You can see our links and whatnot and follow us at clockend underscore talk. This week we have two guests with us, uh, or two listeners, I should say, uh, Chibi and Vish. Uh, Chibi, how are you, mate? I'm doing good, mate. How you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Thank you for listening, mate. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying yeah. it. What's your question, mate? Uh, uh, I was just gonna say, um, if you guys could trade Alex Iwobi and Lacazette for like a real winger, like Zaha, maybe would you do it? What do you guys think? I just, I just think I was watching Zaha a lot last season, and I know he's not, he's not a big name, he's not as fancy as people want us to go, but I think he could be like a good, a good addition to our team for sure. And uh, I've been thinking if we could like trade Wildback and Iwobi and. Who knows? Even like a set, I would like take, I like take Zaha. What do you guys think about that? Do you think we, do you think we can do better or? What do you think, Tony? Uh, my my issue with Zaha is where he's a star man at Palace. It gets overlooked that he can he can dribble at his defender ten times, and if he loses it eight times, 
the, they'll remember the two times because they're they're a smaller club and he's their star man. Whereas your fair your fair point, but but the numbers just say otherwise though. I, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I think it's the numbers like Zahar has the most successful dribbles in the league in the last two years or something like that. I think he's even above Hazard in that. He t- I think he takes on more people per game than anybody else in the league. I think I think by far too. I think he I think he attempts and he's successful more times than anyone else in the league. So I think he might be, yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying, but there's there's, uh, there's two caveats to that. You are right, but one the, the 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 attempts is because they attack through him. The ball goes to him, so actually yeah, 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 he's yeah, going to yeah. attempt more. In terms of success, I think look, I, I'm not taking anything away from him. I think he's a good player, but against Palace teams will teams will give Palace more space because they're going to be trying to attack Palace. So yeah. you, and it means he can use his pace to beat players. He can. Look, he is very tricky, and I'm not denying that, but he can knock it and run, and he's very quick. Whereas when you're a top side, they don't have that space to knock it and run, or they'll double up on you. Um, And then I think your end product comes into it more, which is an area he's definitely improved, but it has been a big negative of his through the years. Look, is he better than an Iwobi or a Welbeck? For sure. Um, Would I pay the probably 50, 60 million they want for him? I think for that money, you can probably get someone better. Um, In terms of with Lacazette, and I don't know how long you've been listening. I'm not a huge Lacazette fan. He has had games where he's been excellent, but I I struggle with a lot of the things he does. But uh, it would leave us with one striker if he was to go. Um, And then if if anything did happen to Aubameyang, you'd be left with Welbeck or Lucas or or, or someone having to play every game as your focal point. And at this stage, we really don't want that Arsenal. So... I wouldn't be looking to get rid of Lacazette. Uh, Zaha, I do rate, and I wouldn't mind at Arsenal, but I think for the kind of money you're looking at, I think there's better options out there. Okay. Awesome. I, I, I agree, though, yeah. with you, mate. I like Zaha. I, I really like him. Um, but I think that you, he was asking, though, Tony, because he was looking at a swap deal on a Wobi and Welbeck, but you're saying you'd pay about 50, 50, what, 50 to 60 million, eh? Yeah, you've got to look at what his value is to Palace. Forget. Forget value, as in what he transfers. You've got to look at what he's worth to them. That's like when a team looks like they're going down, their star player is always worth so much to them because what it's worth to keep that team up. And never in a million years they swap Zaha for Iwobi and Iwobi and Welbeck. But I was going to say also, like never in a million years is Crystal Palace going to get um, 50 million for Zaha. So, I mean, they can say that they want, but they're going to sell him eventually for like 20 million. No, no way. Because look, they're, they're probably relegation candidates without him. In all honesty, and you take a what you get eighty to a hundred million a year for being in the Premier League. So I remember it was a few years ago. I can't remember who it was, and they were quite old, but they were pretty much keeping their team up on their own. And I can't remember who it was. I'm trying to think. Uh, and the, Defoe. It was Defoe at Sunderland the year okay. they stayed. Yeah. Someone oh, yeah, tried yeah. to sign in January, and they offered fifteen million for a thirty-four-year-old, and and they said no because. He was their only chance of staying up, and it was 80 million to stay in the league. So to them, the foe was worth 80 million, similar to Johnny Evans with West Brom in this January just gone. They felt they weren't going to stay up without him. Obviously, they didn't stay up with him in the end, but they yeah. they were willing to reject 30 million because if he did manage to keep them up, it was worth 80 million to them. Um, same Gilfie Sigurdsson left left uh, Swansea for 50 million pound. As long as I have a hole in my backside, he is not worth 50 million pound. But they knew that they were in big relegation trouble without him, so they had to be heavily, heavily compensated. And obviously, you've got—I know he plays for Nigeria now—but 
you've got to add the English tax to Zaha because he's grew, grown up in a not Nigeria, sorry, Ivory Coast. Um, Ivory Coast, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. He's grown up in in England. He's used to English football, so you not English in terms of nation he represents, but he still comes with that English tax. Um, obviously, it's not a real tax. We all know what I mean. So, uh, literally, I would be. I don't think they'd let him go for fifty million. I really don't. Mm, okay, interesting. Well, Chibi, thanks for your question, mate. And, um, yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for awesome. taking my call. Uh, uh, great stuff, mate. And thanks for listening as well, buddy. And we'll uh, hopefully catch you next week or something. Sounds good. Bye. Good on you, mate. Thanks, mate. Uh, Vish, you with us, mate? How are you? Good, guys. And you guys? Yeah, good, mate. Good. What's your question, Vish? Um, it's regarding um, Lucas Hernandez as a replacement for the aging Nacho Monreal. Um, what do you think of him uh, fitting into our squad? And also, are the rumors of us facing Kingsley Carmen and Harry Maguire too? Tony? Um, on, on Hernandez, I, it, look, I, it all depends on how Emery's going to play because I don't think he's attacking enough uh, for Arsenal. He's a good, solid player, but I would say I would call him a defensive left back um, in the same way Pavard's a, a defensive right back. I'm not saying they can't get forward, but I'm saying their, their main attraction is is defending, which is something that Arsenal have maybe struggled, uh, needed in, in years gone by. Uh, so it all depends on how Emery's going to play and what type of fullback he gets if Nacho is to, to leave. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of I'm split on Hernandez because I don't know how Emery's going to play things. If you'd have asked me this question last year, I would have said no. Um, in terms of Harry Maguire, uh, in England, he is very strongly being linked with Man United. Um, I, again, I think he costs a lot of money, English tax and whatnot, and he's just come off. We were discussing earlier for me, he was arguably one of England. Well, he was one of England's best players, arguably their best. So he's getting a lot of press right now. Uh, Leicester don't need to sell. They've obviously just got 60 million in for Mares. So it's going to take probably a similar bid to get him. Um, for me, he's not as good as Mares, but they don't need to sell. So the ball's in their court. Um, uh, for me, I think it'll be Man United or no one for Maguire. Look, if you you got to say Maguire, Vardy and, and Mares were their three best players last season, maybe Ndidi, uh, put them in the top four. And they won't want to sell two of them in the same window, I'd imagine. And they've never needed money anyway. Their, their owner is supremely rich. Uh, so the money isn't essential to them. They obviously turned down 65 million plus for Mares in January, so the money is not not needed. So unless Maguire really forces his way out, mm. which he doesn't seem like the type to do, he seems quite humble. Um, I, I, I it would take a hell of a lot of money to get him. And as I said, I think it'll be United or no one. Vish, you're still having doubts, Mustafi. On obviously Mustafi, that's why you're you're questioning uh, Maguire to to Arsenal. You'd, you'd like a replacement there, obviously. Could you imagine Socrates and Harry Maguire playing together in our centre as our centre backs? It would just it would actually destroy and frighten the the strikers, opposition strikers. Yeah. For me, we've, sorry to jump in. Yeah. For me, I always think the perfect defence is one monster, one player. Um, yeah. Maguire can play, but I think you lack pace with them too. I, I think you always yeah. need someone who has the pace to cover around. I I never I've never liked and it's not an Arsenal thing just in general football I've never liked two players that are, are similar at centre back and it's the reason uh, England play Carl Walker as one of the three centre backs because Stones and Maguire while both good defenders neither of them had pace so they added Walker in there to to cover to do the running for the other two um, so yeah for me that that never works 
Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. rare to think of teams. It has worked. Even if you think of the best teams, not just Arsenal, but uh, like say the best Man United team was Vidic and Ferdinand, and you had Vin- Vidic, who was that animal, would headbutt a wall if he needed to, and then you had Ferdinand, who was quicker and a bit of a player. Um, I, I think all top defences, they have that. They have that mix. Um, as I said, I personally don't like two two monsters together. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thanks for your question, Vish, and um, thanks for listening as well, mate. Thanks, Great stuff, mate. We'll catch up with you, buddy. Cheers, mate. Cheers. And thank you for Chibi and Vish for their um, calls, and you too can uh, give us a call on Skype. You can follow us at clockend underscore talk on Twitter and you'll see all the links in our bio. Uh, Tony, we've got a few questions to get through, mate, so we'll get into them. Uh, MAA Gunner, he asks, if we were to get the top four, which two teams from the top six are most likely to miss out? Um, we were obviously speaking before and I think Chelsea is an interesting case because they're... I wouldn't be surprised if they challenge for the title and I wouldn't be surprised if they have another season where they're in sort of 10th. Uh, obviously, Sarri's come in very late, so he missed the start of pre-season. Uh, their three best players, in pretty much everyone's opinion, are Hazard, Kante and Courtois. And they've all played in the last weekend of the World Cup. So they're going to be back to pre-season very late and obviously they're going to be playing a new system. Uh, Jorginho's a good sign-in, but again, they have to get used to playing... That, that system. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the rest of the market. Um, today, there's been strong links with Golovin, uh, who I thought would go there anyway, just because of the Russian connection. Again, he's a very good player, uh, but he's getting used to a new league and a new system. So mm. Chelsea, uh, I, I literally just don't know what they're going to do. Obviously, Sarri last season, just when Napoli dropped down to the Europa League, paid no attention to it, played a reserve team. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does that with Chelsea. And then they can fully focus on the league. So I think there's an argument for Chelsea to do well there's also an argument for them to do very bad um, last season I said that I thought Tottenham would struggle because they were playing 38 away games um, I think they're playing 38 away games again this season I know that they're in their new stadium after the first three games I think they're playing the first three home games at Wembley and then the rest are at uh, their, their new ground but it's not home yet it's yes it's going to be theirs but in the first year you're there it's not home I know from personal experience of the Emirates it felt weird for the first at least season or at least six months um, to use a terrible analogy, which I'm very good at, as everyone knows. Uh, when you buy a house, it's not your home for a while. Mm-hmm. You own it, live there, but it's not your home yet. Uh, and I think Tottenham could be a bit like that. But I was wrong about them last season, so so we'll see. Um, if someone held a gun to my head and say who's going to drop out for Arsenal to get in the top four, I would say them too. But, I mean, I, I think the Premier League is going to be full of surprises this year. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, over City, they're the team that beat, obviously. Liverpool have also um, bought well as well. So they're, they're top of the top two for me. And then I suppose it's Arsenal, Man U. It's, it's tough because United have an art, and especially Mourinho, has an art of getting the job done, as we all know. Uh, it's his third season there, which never goes well for Mourinho, so that'll be interesting. Uh, I don't think the fans will stand for this defensive football much longer without trophies. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he tries to be more attacking and they could come unstuck mm. it's always difficult to judge Man United and you were saying about City being the team to beat I completely agree with you that they're, they're already odds on to win the title uh, with the bookies and I, I don't know I could be wrong here but I think that's the first time that that's happened in about 12 years that before a ball's been kicked someone's odds on mm-hmm. so it, it shows you what, what everyone's expecting to happen 
The last two windows, and just quickly on Manchester United, you know, they've obviously bought well, but I'm not even hearing anything that they're linked to anyone of of big, you know, that eighty million dollar transfer this this window. Well, I mean, they signed Fred for fifty odd, so it's oh, um, it's signed him, haven't they? Yeah, Fred. Yeah, yeah and with United as well, that apart from Pogba, which was obviously huge. You don't really, they don't really, you don't really get many leaks, or maybe it's because I'm not involved in Man United Twitter or whatnot. Mm. But you don't really see things just seem to be done, sort of thing, or, or very, very clear. Even Lukaku, it was like everyone thought he was going Chelsea, and then all of a sudden he was he was at Man United, sort of thing. You, you kind of only hear about them when things are in the last two days and people are having medicals. Obviously, Sanchez was an exception, uh, but I think we knew more about that from the Arsenal side. And as well, you got to remember with Sanchez, everyone thought he was going City. Mm-hmm. So United, I don't know how it is they go by, it or I don't know if it's just because I don't follow Man United accounts. But it's very rare you hear anything until it's, until it's until close it's, to it, like very close to being done. And I think even the same like they sold Daily Blind yesterday, and the rumor came out maybe a day or two before, and then two days later he's gone, packed up. That's it. He's no longer a United player. Mm. So I think United, apart from the major signings, as I said, like Pogba, United are very good at keeping things under wraps. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I don't want to get too involved with them, but um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. Fred, oh, I wonder what he'd be like. Fred, nice to be seen. Yep. Yeah, okay. MWA Gunner continues. Can you explain this whole? <laughs> we fucking took the piss when they did the signing. Uh, Byd situation, which is very strange. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Byd have claimed that. Basically, the guy that made the agreement with Arsenal um, wasn't didn't work for them. He just pretended he rented an office space, called it BYD, and, and claimed to be a representative of the country. Signed the agreement with Arsenal, and uh, and yeah, it doesn't work for them. I don't know. I, the, the first things first. You'd imagine that for Arsenal to put the, the logo on the headrest in the dugout, which they did, you'd imagine they would have received at least some of the payment. I would be amazed if they'd done it without receiving a single penny or dollar or dime or whatever currency you use. So that that's strange in itself. I, I don't know. I don't want to accuse anyone of anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's just them trying to get out of the deal because they've maybe seen in the first six months it's got they've got no business from it. Or six months, whatever it's been, four months, five months. And they know the Chinese authorities are always going to be on their side. So I... I may be very cynical here, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're, they're, it's just them trying to get out of the deal and them going, whoa, he, he didn't work for us. It was, <laughs> he, was a, he, he was a con man. It's a very odd situation. Like, And put yourself in, in Arsenal's shoes for a minute, I suppose, the representatives, they've gone over there. And I'd imagine, uh, you know, you'd do a tour of the of the whole factory, the, the you know, the business and whatnot, and you'd have a good look at it. Um, you know, Arsenal would run their eye over it. Who are they? What are they? We didn't even know who they were. So uh, a company uh, like, you know, a car manufacturer, that, manufacturer, that bloody, you, you know, you'd, you'd run your eye over it, wouldn't you? Uh, I don't know if you would. Because, look, if I'm sitting here in England and someone says to me, I'm going to offer you £10 million a year to, to put my initials or my company name on your 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 headrest at your ground and we don't need to particularly do anything else we're an ethical company like we're not a slave trade company or whatever we're we're a normal company 
that I, I I don't know how much due diligence Arsenal would actually need to do. Look, they're the, I've never heard of them, but they're the biggest manufacturers in the world of electronic vehicles. Um, that that they could that could mean that they only work in China, but China's so big that that they're still the, the biggest manufacturer of them. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if Arsenal would bother going to do a factory tour and all that because, let's be honest, it's irrelevant. Um, in all of the images, I'd imagine they were photoshopped and not real. But there's BYD vehicles with Arsenal players in it. Um, but again, obviously that's photoshopped. But there's still someone's produced that image and and given it to Arsenal to to be able to photoshop to use. So again, look, I'm, I'm being very cynical here, but I, my guess, and it is an absolute guess, is that they paid the first part of the instalment. Uh, because when I say it's a 10 million payment, it was probably two and a half million every quarter. So it's 10 million a year. Uh, I'd imagine they paid the first two and a half before they start. Uh, Arsenal put the logo on. And then they've had absolutely no business from it or or not to the value of two and a half million pounds. So they've gone, oh, we're not paying that next payment. What are you on about? This has nothing to do with us. And then, as I said, the Chinese courts will always back Chinese companies. Suing a Chinese company, unless you're Chinese yourself, is absolutely pointless, mm-hmm. unless you're suing them outside of China. So, again, I'm being very cynical, and I've literally just made that theory up, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's not a million miles from the truth. But can you buy a car, this car, in, in where you are? No. no. Well, I don't, you may be able to get one imported, but you can't. There's not like a BYD showroom. I've never heard of them, the same as you've never heard of them. Mm. No, okay. I don't think any, and obviously, Schwinn's in America, which is... As much you can like Trump as much or as little as you like, America is clearly a world superpower, and he'd never heard of them either. He had to he had to do the same research we did. So mm-hmm. you've got Australia, UK, and America, which you'd say are some of the biggest countries in the world in terms of uh, wealth and importance or whatnot, and none of us had heard of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Schwinn spent a lot of his life in India, which again has an economy of a billion people, and again he'd never heard of them. So. I would imagine they probably only operate in China, but as I said, China's got so many people that even if you only have 1% of the population, it would still make you the biggest car manufacturer, electronic car manufacturer in the world by some distance. Mm-hmm. Oh, MWA Gun, let's watch this space, mate, and we'll see how this story unfolds. Um, Jonas82, a regular, lots of talk about Casitas receiving a big technical director role for Milan soon. Uh, can you see it happening? I, I would be very, very disappointed in Gazidis if it did happen. Not because I hold much stead for him, but because he's seemingly, whether it's his fault or not, had a background role and done not, done not much for the, until the last year. In the last year, he's done a lot. Um, but before that, he's seemingly done not much and just received his wages. Then suddenly he gets all the power that people were claiming he wanted, and he's done very well bringing in Sanlehi, bringing in Sven, uh, bringing in Darren Burgess, the, the the Aussie. Well, he's not Aussie, but he came from uh, A League or some one of your stupid sports. AFL. Um, <laughs> AFL. Yeah. So he's done he's done some very very good things, and it would it would seem weird, and I'd be disappointed in him to abandon shit at a time when he's just got given all the power to to do what he claimed he wanted to do for, for the whole time. Um, I, I just uh, step, in, step in quickly there. I can see the next 10 years, this is his chapter. Yeah, that, that's, yeah that, that's basically what I'm trying to say. So if, he, if he's got everything he wants and then jumps ship for a couple more million pounds, and I'm not belittling a couple of, a couple of million because I would like a couple of million, mm. but when you seemingly got everything you want 
uh, I think it'd be very weird to um, yeah. to jump ship. I'd be a bit disappointed in him, to be honest. Especially the fucking Milan. Um, okay, Jonas also asks, in our first pre-season friendly against uh, Boreham Wood, Chambers played as C- CM. Is this part of the future plans or just a case of lack of players on the day? Um, I don't think it was lack of players because we had 23 players and, and the only... So obviously someone's... So it was two teams, which is 22, and then uh, Jeff Rain Adelaide came off 20 minutes into the second half. Uh, he came on at half-time and only played 20, 25 minutes. And uh, Gwen Dalsey, or however you say it, came on. So centre midfield was the position where we had most players. Um, I don't know if, if Emery just wanted to try him there. Uh, mm-hmm. He has played there before for us. Um, I don't know what it was. Sometimes it's, it's good to give players, get players a run out in a different position. Um, I don't know. Uh, we obviously had too many centre-backs as well because uh, first half it was Mavropanos and Socrates. Second half it was Mustafi and Holding. So someone was going to have to play out of position or not get any minutes at all. So maybe it was just that. Maybe it was just a, a way to give him minutes. Um, I don't know. I, I, personally, I've seen him play centre midfield before and I, I don't like it. Um, I, I would be surprised if Emery likes it or if Emery thinks he, he, he is able to become that player. And even if, he, even if he does see that, I mean, I sort of feel like we've got enough players that can play in midfield anyway. Yeah, there's plenty there. Um, did I hear or did I read something that Emery is a big fan of Chambers though? Uh, he said when he, well, he obviously he signed a new contract and he'd only signed one in October so it was only eight months between signing a new contract and everyone feels and I'd probably agree that it's that's Emery's told them he wants to tie Chambers down mm. uh, so and I think he said when he uh, when he signed obviously the manager always does a little press release and he said oh, like, I really rate Chambers he's a big part of my first team plans so but they're always going to say that they're not going to say I signed him on a new contract so I think he's useless and I just want to get more money for him. Yeah, I'm not saying he yeah. does, but I'm saying you would never hear them say that. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think you can take much notice of, of that. Uh, C or Zoropa Bob, he asks, uh, what was the song the English fans were singing during matches that was to the tune of our Merced Ozil song, please? I, I, I saw this question come in and I don't think we were. There's nothing I've heard. I know that we were singing at... at um, to the tune of Atomic Kitten, uh, looking back on when we first met, Southgate, you're the one, you still turn me on, it, it, uh, football's coming home again. But that's not to the tune of the Ozil song. But that's obviously, apart from it's coming home, uh, that, that's the only one um, that I can, I can think of. Yeah, yeah, okay. the, uh, a song that was sort of known that England fans were singing, but yeah, it's not, it's not to the, it wasn't to the Ozil tune. Unless yeah. he's heard something I haven't, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Share it with us at Clock End. Oh, you know, our Twitter there, RC. Share it over to us, mate, and give us a look. Um, Savvy, uh, who do you think will leave? And are we expecting any new signings? And are we well-equipped in the area according to you guys? You go first. Uh, for me, yeah, for me, I still think we need a winger. Um, I, I think that's clear. Uh, there's going to be players go. Our squad's so big. As I said, we had a 23-man squad. Uh, against Boreham Wood on Saturday and there's still all of our internationals to come back so, so some people are going to have to leave on on loan or, or permanently and and looking at that as well um, there wasn't too many youth team players that played I mean look, Ainsley started but he's now a first team player uh, he's in the first team squad I mean 
I'll say Tutu, Willock, Nketia, Nelson, uh, Emil Rowe-Smith. You can say, okay, they're they're not in the first team, but that's five. So you take out, we had 23. You take out them five, and you go, oh, it's an 18-man squad. But then I think there's seven or eight to come back, uh, if you include like, Leno. So, well, a spoon has uh, got to go. Yeah, but again, he he wasn't in that thing. In oh, that, in that, in that, that pre-game, okay. Yeah. yeah right. So, for me, the, the numbers are going to have to come down. Um, so, um, look, I mean, we can all take a guess at people like Ospina going. Uh, there's obviously strong rumours about Nacho, which I I wouldn't be too impressed with, but uh, they are what uh, they are. Uh, uh, that young keeper Martinez, he's got he'll probably go online. Well, one of him or Macy will go, but again, Macy wasn't involved oh, yeah. in that game the other day. Martinez played a half, Czech played a half. Yep. Um, so wouldn't it be a spin out if Czech went and a spin a state? Yeah, I think because Ospina wants more playing time, Czech's only going to have a year or two left, so you can see that out wherever. Mm. Um, I think Ospina's more likely to go, and then uh, one of Macy or, or Martinez, maybe potentially only even alone. And who um, have we got in the backs? We've got Carl Jenkinson, Rob Holding. Yeah, so Jenko played. Uh, Jenko played on on the second half on Saturday. Uh, mm. You'd imagine he'd go somewhere, um, but I don't know. As I said I think that there's, there's obvious outs. You look at Joel Campbell's going to go. Uh, Perez, we're a bit fifty fifty with. We still so, fucking we still playing Joel Campbell, are we? Yeah, he's got a year left. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean, look, there, there is some outs to come. I think the oh, only do we, in do, would... do we keep Mafropanos? Uh, I would imagine so. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I think it will be, uh, as I said, I think we need a winger. Um, we'll have to sign a centre midfielder if Ramsey goes. Mm. But beyond that, I think it's only pretty much the obvious outs. Just looking who else. Oh, Nenny, he'll stay. Uh, Niles will stay. Um, do we know how to pronounce this new kid's name yet? I think it's Gwendowsey, but I'm not Gwendowsey. sure. Gwendowsey, okay. Yeah, that does sound right. Willock, he'll probably go. You said well, that I'm, I'm though, not really you? counting him because he's not going to be in the first team squad. Whether he's at Arsenal or not, he's not going to be... Uh, he may train with the first team, but he's not going to be in your 18 on a match day unless there's there's serious injuries. Mm. Danny Welbeck and Awobi. <sighs> don't know. Welbeck's only got a year left. Um, mm. I don't think Awobi's got too long either, but there was rumours that he, he was in contract towards, towards the end of last season. Um, so I don't know as I said the, the squad's going to be trimmed where is trimmed don't it, know. it depends on what Emery likes so that remains to be seen mm-hmm. uh, any more to, expecting any more new signings he's also asked uh, as as Emery said himself if there's a big signing to be made he'll do it um, I think we need a winger uh, I think most people think we need a winger uh, I, as I said it, I think if Ramsey goes someone will come in and I think we may sign a winger. I'm not saying 100%. I would love us to sign a winger. I think we need to sign a winger. But I'm not saying it's 100% going to happen. Look, going on what Emery said and going on what everyone else thinks is we need a winger. Um, so we're only echoing your thoughts as well. Um, Dembele, he's the type of the only big one you can think of. Is there another one? Uh, I mean, like, not... Look, they're, they're smaller names than Dembele, but... The yeah, but I'm going Hogan. off it. Emery said if something... Does he mean a big signing or does he mean a good uh, like a, a good deal for Arsenal? I don't know because if you say, for example, if you say someone like Chucky Lozano or Herving Lozano 
or, or Christian Pavon. They're, they're over £40 million. So, mm. for us, for Arsenal, that's a big signing. So, sign. yeah, they don't mm. hold that. They're not the name that Dembele is. But uh, personally, if I was saying that statement, I would include them in the big signing bracket. Although they're not world-renowned players, if you're spending £40 million on someone, you're not going to go, oh, yeah, that was just a minor signing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would you like? Um... I'd like Dembele, obviously. Yeah. But um, realistically, I couldn't see it though. I, I can't see it happening. No. no. Okay. Um, oh, who we got? Uh, Guna underscore Love. Are the defensive enforcements enough? Who will start against Man City as goalkeeper, Czech or Leno? Uh. Well. Emery has said that he's still yet to decide his number one. Uh, Czech's, got, Czech's obviously played 45 minutes of preseason. They're both in training together. I think the next few games, I think we from the Bournemouth game, we had 12 days off. And then we've got three games in a very short space of time. And I think by then we'll probably know our answer. Mm. Defensive enforcement enough? Um, I think if Mustafi goes, one more will come in. If he doesn't go, we'll we'll stick with what we've got. Just on Mustafi, what do you reckon? Twenty, thirty million? We won't get thirty for him, I don't think. And who do we gone down? Well, who who do we bring in for for a Mustafi replacement? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of talk if Juventus Juventus want him, and then you could look at maybe doing a deal with them with someone like Benatia or or Kaglar's still sort of on the radar in the background somewhere. Um, so there's options there. Okay. Um, Jonas eighty two. Will we see the Jeff the Jeff breakthrough this season? And if not him, who do you think will? Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff's one of the ones that's sold. To be honest, uh, he looked very promising a few years ago. He's never really done it. Never really been given a chance. In all fairness, but I think he's been injured quite a bit. Uh, went on loan last season or the, the loss in January. Uh, I, from what I know, I, I, I've not seen, but I don't think he really got a game there. He didn't suitably impress uh, Angers. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's either sold or just is at Arsenal, but he's just a kind of forgotten guy sort of thing. Uh, mm. So I don't think so. In terms of breakthrough, I think, I don't know if you're counting Ainsley in that. I would count last season as his breakthrough year. Um Eddie, I think we'll have to get more chances because we've got two senior strikers uh, who it looks like they're going to be playing together with Aubameyang and Lacazette, whether whether Aubameyang plays wide or not. Um, and then, so then you look at your your second string and your cup players, and you've got Welbeck and Nketiah as your strikers, and that's if Welbeck stays. So I think Eddie will get more of a chance. I'm not counting last year as his breakthrough because realistically he played played an extra time and, and five minutes really. Um, of one game and, and he scored two goals and that's not a breakthrough season that's maybe a breakout game where you've now learnt his name which you didn't know before um, but I think this year he'll get more opportunity I just think and, and I know look we've seen a little bit of him and then he went to Spain Lucas Perez I, no, I don't think you can have a breakout season when you're 30 nah, years old. Yeah, I just thinking though is he going to be that, that right winger that uh, you know well, I don't know where else you put him no, I mean that's that's one of the it's the only place he could play. But uh, I would imagine if he did, he would be in the in the second string of players. 
So he'd be your cup winger and your, do you know what I mean, if you've got a few yeah. injuries. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Hakon Larson, he has a heap of questions here, but that's great, Hakon. We love your questions, mate. So um, why, do, why do some fans overanalyze every single thing the club does or doesn't do, Tony? Um, maybe it's something to do. You know what, there's, there's no football to watch. We all love talking about football. And maybe rather than repeat the same subject, um, they, they look maybe too deep into things. Like, I love talking about football. Obviously, it's the reason I do this. But I, I tend to try and keep myself... Uh, yeah, I speak about transfers and uh, I speak roughly on other things if asked. But I mainly try and focus on transfers and what's happening on the pitch. Because for me, that's where football takes place. Um, I, I can't criticise anyone else for looking beyond that. Um, fair enough. But it's just not what I'm into. I guess it's just personal preference. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I I don't really look at much stuff pre-season. I'm hopeless. Um, I, I look at follow a couple of transfers, and that's about me. I, other than that, I just type of sit and wait. I've give up watching that bloody American league. Fucking hell, that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. Um, if we play, and I was thinking about this question actually. Uh, if we play a four-three-three formation, what is the most important factor for success on the pitch, Tony? Winning. <laughs> hey, good good point. You reckon it'll be oh, four three three? Uh, I I did originally. Um, I probably still stick by that. It's kind of what he played the other day. Mm. Um, again, I, like, as I said, I don't want to read too much into a friendly, but everyone that listens and I know, obviously, Hakon Hakon does that. I've been saying since Emery was appointed, I would imagine we'll play a four three three, and then to do that in the first friendly, not I'm not saying backs up my opinion, but adds to my opinion um had i had i not thought that before that that friendly wouldn't change my mind if i thought we was going to play a 4-2-3-1 and then we played a 4-3-3 i wouldn't say oh that's what he's definitely going to play because you never know it's just a friendly and you've got to fit players into the team but i I, as i said i've long since thought that it's what he's going to play so question i'm going to put you on the spot here for a quick quickly um give us your four mate your best Side in that four three three. Uh, so, look, at the moment you've got to go Bellerin, Nacho as the fullbacks. We we've just discussed the number one. No, no one knows what he's going to do. Centre backs, you'd imagine he signed Socrates for a reason. So you'd imagine it'll be him mm-hmm. uh, alongside him. We don't know if anyone's going to come in for Mustafi. If not, it looks like Chambers. For me, that's probably a bit too slow as a backline. But um, if that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. So, uh, well, so you reckon Mustafi's Mustafi gets a spot over Chambers? No, I, I, oh, don't, I don't know. I was saying if, okay. if Mustafi goes, I would uh, imagine it'd be the replacement. If if Mustafi doesn't go, I would imagine it would probably be Chambers. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I literally, I, I think the defence is the hardest area of the pitch to call yeah. because we've got so many similar, not in terms of the way they play, but you could put Chambers, Mavropanos, and Holding all in the same bracket of slightly inexperienced. Mm-hmm. So. It just depends what style he likes out of them. It also depends if if Socrates plays on the right of the back two, of the of the centre backs, which I imagine he will. Then you've got to look at who's more comfortable on the left. Holding's always been playing on the left, uh, has always played as the left centre back. Mavropanos played on the left centre back, and Chambers has played there, but he favours playing on the right. Um, even when Mavropanos and Holding played, to, I mean, and Chambers played together, or Holding and Chambers, Chambers was always on the right. Mm-hmm. So, 
Oh, Ma- just so. on Ma- oh, yes, just on Mafropanus though. I, I, he's a bit raw for me at the moment. I, Look, it's hard to tell. He, he did impress. He, he obviously made a mistake against Leicester. As I said, all three of them for me are, you can put in in a very similar bracket. And I'm not even saying they're the same level, mm. but they're all all three of them. You can say they've got something about them, but I'm not 100 percent sure. And mm. I think that's a fair statement about Chambers, Mavropanos, and Holding. So what one of them gets a place if Mustafi isn't there is is completely personal preference. And I'm not going to pretend to know Emery's personal preference. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in midfield, I think it'll be, as we stand at the moment, it'll be Xhaka, Torreira and Ramsey. And then I think it'll be Ozil from the right. But when I say right, I don't mean as a right winger. I mean very loosely from the right, which is essentially what he played last season anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Yang left and Lacazette up top. It's not a bad time, is it? That attack is brilliant. That that defence is our worry. There's so many options. Yeah, and I don't think any of them are outstanding. Mm. No, and the the beast we we're still well. You don't really rate him, do you? Um, no, I never have done. Mm-hmm. No. I, don't, I don't think he's awful. I just don't. I just. I don't think he's good enough defensively. I'm going to echo Gimli's thoughts though. From last podcast is, you know, how do you go from left back, Bundesliga? team of the year to a player that just hasn't had success yet so well, to just to, I mean I think Luke Shaw was in the Premier League team of the year four years ago oh okay I think he wa- I think he works in McDonald's now <laughs> okay um, heck on Larson uh, should we have gone for Shakiri? absolutely is my opinion but Tony would probably say no uh, 13 million for him is a, actually a bargain better than Lucas and Welbeck? Uh, yes and no. I think if you do sign him, it means you don't sign anyone else and I'll prefer better. I think we need a first team, a first team winger. If we, look, I think my answer to this will be a lot better when the transfer window closes hmm. because if we don't go on to sign anyone else, I'll say absolutely we missed out on him. Um, if we, But if we did sign him and that meant we couldn't sign a bigger or better player because we'd already allocated that position, then you'd have to say it's a regret. So if we don't sign anyone else, I'll be disappointed that we missed out on him. Yeah, no, fair, fair statement. Um, I'll just... Uh, what do we got? Ollie, he asks if Dembele or Nzonzi sign, how high do you think we'll end up in the league? That's impossible to ask because I don't know where we're going. I don't <laughs> even know where I think we're going to come anyway. Uh, look, I, I, don't, I personally don't think Nzonzi would add anything. Um or he would add things, but he'd also take away things. So it kind of balances itself out. Uh, Dembele, the, again, he's a star player. He would make a difference. Is he the type of player that turns a team that are coming fourth into a team that are going to win the league? Probably not. He's still, I don't know how much everyone's seen of him. Uh, he's very raw. He, he clearly has a lot of ability. But when you compare him to, say, an Mbappe, Mbappe's complete. He's he, he makes the right decisions already. I think Mbappe in his head is 27 years old. He, he doesn't think like a, a, a youngster, whereas Dembele is raw and will make a lot of mistakes. And he's very frustrating at times. Um, and there will be games where you look at him and think, how is this guy so highly, highly rated? Mm. All he does is lose his ball. And then you watch him the next week and think, this kid's going to be the best player in the world. Mm. He's one of them type of guys. And I don't think guys like that are going to win you the league because you never know what you're going to get. If you could get the best Dembele every week, then yes, 
you're gonna you, you're gonna challenge for a title. I would imagine as long as you can half defend half well. But I don't think Dembele is at that stage in his career where he's ready to give his best every, or he's able to give his best every week. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say that's, exactly the same uh, on what you yeah. said. He's, he's very raw. Yeah, I think he. The, the, the thing is with Dembele that if he has if he performs at his top level every week, he's in for he's in for Ballon d'Or nominations. He mm. can be that good, but you you don't get it every week. You get you get that once every two or three weeks. Which is which is the issue with him, and when someone does unlock it, if they do to to get him to play that level every week, then they, they, there's a serious player there. I watched a few Barcelona games with the interest, and you, there's a couple of times you've seen Messi walk over to him and and you know put his arm around him, have a little chat in his ear. But then you've also seen uh, seen Messi. I've also seen him scream the house down like, "And what the fuck are you doing?" Type thing. So. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, and I'm not saying this because we're linked with him, I don't think uh, it's a good fit for, for Dembele. He's the type of player that gets the ball, runs at his player, and he will lose it sometimes, but he'll beat him sometimes, and he'll create attacks. Whereas Barcelona, pretty much everything goes through Messi, and with very good reason, because mm. Messi's Messi. Yeah. But they don't want players that are going to be losing the ball quite a bit when, when going at defenders. They get very frustrated with him. Mm-hmm. Um well, Messi does, <laughs> but he's trying to yeah, he's yeah. trying well, to mould him as well. They're yeah. used to Messi doing what Messi does, mm. so it's it's nothing to do. With it. It's not well. It's not his fault, but they've signed a player of his style, and I don't think he overly suits uh, their style. It was like when Guardiola signed Ibrahimovic. I'm not for a second saying Ibrahimovic was a bad player because he's very good, mm. but he just was never suited to Barcelona and. Everyone knew that before he signed for Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Just quickly, though, you bring in a Dembele. What do you do with your Ozil? Your formation's out the window. I'm just looking at your formation and thinking. Yeah, well then, yeah, but I think you'd, you'd probably have to change things and go four-two-three-one. If we sign any winger, look, the reason I picked the four-three-three is because we don't have any wingers. Mm. I, so I the minute we sign a minute we sign a winger, we go what? Well, it depends who it is. Yeah. Is, is it if you sign a first-team winger? someone that has to play every week, then you're going to have to change things. Mm. Interesting times with that. Um, we're going to know more shortly because the window shuts early. Three weeks, I think, just over. Yeah, and, and Zonzi, you don't... I think we've already got an Zonzi in. Um, we're, we're, nah, we're already touched on that. So, um, Hakon Larson, have you ever noticed that many of the top-class players or hype players tend to drive or look for a free kick when they are in trouble or in tight space with a small chance to get out? Well, it's a way to keep the ball if they know they're going to get away with it. My biggest, I say this all the time, and actually me and Schwinn were talking about it last night, um, my biggest grievance with Eden Hazard, because I think he's an exceptional player, is especially in away games uh, for Chelsea, he goes down for challenges that he doesn't have to. I'm not saying he dies, but he gets a touch and he could stay up and he could go on to cause havoc with the defence if he's running at them. But he tends to take the easy option. So he's been clipped. And if he goes down, it's a foul. He's not cheating. But if he stays up, he could cause so much damage. And I find at Stanford Bridge, he tends to stay up. But mm. when they're away and, and things are not going his way and it's been one of them days, I think he goes down too easy. In one sense, you could say he's winning a free kick and they're keeping the ball. And when someone wins a free kick, it's, unless it's on the edge of the area, when it's out wide in, in the non-dangerous positions that Hakon's talking about, you never remember it. But if they lose the ball, it becomes a talking point. I remember when he lost it there and they went on to do this and he keeps losing the ball. 
So maybe it's the safe option. Uh, I think this question is probably in relation to Griezmann going down for the first goal. It might not be. I might be putting words in Hakon's mouth. But then you've got a safe in that. He was going down a blind alley, went down, and they scored from it. So you've got... These players are so clever. It's instinct. They don't think about it. But they've got to think, what is the most dangerous in this position? If they're stuck in a space and they may lose the ball or they're not going to get a cross in, so they can either do that or go down and get a free kick that they could potentially score from, that is the right decision. What, what we think of diving is, is neither here nor there. If they're getting a free kick, they're, they're getting a positive um, result for their team because if the alternative is losing the ball, then go down. And it, look, it might be horrible to say and it might be cynical, but if they keep getting positive results out of it, they're not going to stop doing it. And I think whether Hakon was actually thinking of the Griezmann one or not, I think that's the perfect example. He was going nowhere. He went down, they got a free kick. They were now 1-0 up in the World Cup final. I was thinking of Neymar when I seen the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, I, I mean, for me, Neymar goes down way too easy. Um, I think he... I, I don't want to discuss Neymar as the rule because I think he goes far and beyond what other players do. Yeah, yeah. Um, on Larson, uh, Arsenal going too far with all the videos regarding Emery at the training videos and changes. He gets the fans on board, but it's is it too much? I know it's all PR to get excited, but still. Yeah. I'm. No, we kind of discussed this last week. I like them, but as long as you recognise what they are, they, they show you a brief seven minutes usually into what they want you to see of a training session. If they'd done them in the middle of the season, to be honest, I wouldn't care because we actually have football to look forward to. But because there's no football and there's no Arsenal, I enjoy watching them. Um, what I don't like, and as obviously I spoke about it last week, is people saying like, oh, we've never done this under Wenger. And it's like, well, you don't know because we didn't film videos under Wenger. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying we did. I'm not saying we didn't. But I just hate all the comparisons to the old system because, as I said, we don't know what went on on the old system. Um, so I like them, but I think you have to recognise what they are. And he, Hakan obviously does. He recognises their PR, which is exactly what they are. Mm-hmm. Just PR, that's all it is. Getting excited for the season, we all are. Um, Hakon, thoughts on Hen- Henry leaving Sky Sports? I've seen this earlier. Yeah, he said he wants to uh, get on with his coaching. Um, he's obviously enjoyed being the assistant at the Euros, uh, the World Cup, sorry. Um <coughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where he's going to go. He's been linked with Arsenal. Uh, no idea. Mm. I've seen a few few people saying on Twitter that he, you know, uh, Arsenal assistant coach Emery. I, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, he's obviously wanting to get into, you know, more coaching and in manager role. So, um, I mean, leaving because before, before he, I mean, look, it was only the under, he was coaching the youth teams, and, and Arsenal said to him like, "You can have the job, but you got to leave Sky Sports because." We don't want someone that's employed by the club to be criticising the club when they're being a pundit. And as a pundit, you have to criticise the club at times. Uh, if they do something wrong, you have to criticise them. So you don't want him saying, oh, Mustafi, for example, has made a terrible error and then coming in on the Monday morning and, and seeing Mustafi. It doesn't make sense. Mm. So Arsenal asked him to do that and he obviously said no and chose Sky at the time. With him quitting that, I would imagine he's got a high-profile job. To, not, obviously not as a manager, but I, I would imagine it's a high-profile club for him to go into. And they've said, look, the same rules apply. Like, you can't be going in. Whereas if it's a smaller club, they, they would probably settle and say, yeah, go on, do your, do your bit on Sky. And you can still come in here. But I think with a high-profile club, there's no way they're going to let him go and criticise on a Sunday and then on a Monday morning be, be training them. 
because it's clearly a conflict of interest. I just had a thought. New York, New York City, uh, New, no, yeah, New York City. They're looking for a manager, aren't they? I don't think he'll go down the Man City route, but he could do. He worked under Guardiola, so mm. who knows? I, I don't think he'll go anywhere as a manager. I don't actually think he has a licenses either. I may be wrong. Oh, I think okay. he. I, I think he has. I may be wrong here. I think you need UEFA Pro license to be a manager. This is in Europe, yeah. and I think he has UEFA A license. Or if it's A license you need, he has the B license. I think he's one license below what you need to be a manager. But I could be wrong. He may have uh, updated since I last looked at that. Mm-hmm. I, was just, I was just thinking that uh, when Vieira, he left City and, yeah, anyway. Can't be at Sky Sports when you're in New York, can you? Uh, no, certainly can't. Um, okay, did anyone other than Pog... Pogba get the chance to hold the World Cup trophy. I found it quite interesting that they uh, <laughs> they gave it to Larice to hold it up, and Giroud grabbed it instantly. Like Giroud was standing next to Larice, and, and by all accounts, apparently they're quite good friends. So you can understand him standing next to him at the presentation. But it was like literally, I've never seen someone get their hands on it so quickly. <laughs> um, I thought it was quite funny. <laughs> um, did you see the? There's a video rolling around with uh, was Pogba taking the piss out of you fellas. Football's coming home or something? I no idea. I've not seen it, no. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it there today, I think. I just had a laugh. Um, Chris Palmer, do you think Emery will use Laka and Aubameyang in tandem this season or will it be one or the other? I think he thinks Aubameyang has so much more to offer as a striker than a left wing, but... Will it just be the case of shoehorning as many of the attacking players into the side as possible? Uh, yeah, I think they'll both play with Aubameyang coming from the left. I'm not going to say playing on the left. The issue is if he does play a free in midfield, which obviously I'm expecting, then the, the wingers have less defensive duty because one of the three slides across to cover the, the, the fullback when the ball's on that side and you still have two in the middle of the park. So usually you have two in the middle, so last year it was Xhaka and Ramsey. And if the other team's fullback attacks, then the, the winger has to go back with them. Whereas if you've got three in the middle, say the fullback attacks, one can go out with them and the other two stay in the middle. So you're still in the same situation. And if you're leaving three up the pitch, you're less likely to get the other team's fullback attack anyway because they're worried of what's going to come the other way. Um, that's the theory behind it. Mm. So I think... Aubameyang will play from the left but don't expect it to be how it has been in previous years where the left winger has to track back who, who obviously Aubameyang's probably the better than in that position than Lacazette anyway wouldn't he look I mean I would prefer Aubameyang playing straight through the middle but with our current squad I can see the reason why you're playing both of them because Aubameyang still gets a hell of a lot of goals from the left anyway and it gives us an actual nine. Whereas if you play a Bamiyang uh, through the centre, where he's still going to get you ahead of a lot of goals, who'd you play on the left? Mm. Mickey, maybe. But then, I, I don't know. Does that have the cutting edge? If you've got Mickey and Ozil, are they too similar? Are they quick enough? Are they oh, good I forgot, enough? I forgot, about, buddy. I forgot about Mkhitaryan. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think him and Ozil may be too similar and they probably don't contribute to the press as well that Emery said he wants to play. He wants to press high. 
And if you've got Mickey and Ozil, I probably don't think it's as effective. So I think, although it is putting square peg, pegs in round holes, I think that having uh, a Bamiyang on the left and Lacazette through the middle works better than any other option we have at the moment. At the moment being obviously the key point. Yep. Uh, Pete, he asks, how's our homegrown quota looking? This comes up every window, this one. Yeah, I think we're actually a bit light, uh, obviously letting Jack go, um, signing, and we've signed no one English, but you don't have to register players who have been in the country for three years under the age of seven. Um, but you can register them if you want. It's kind of seen as a wasted space. Just what was the it's age? The what was the, what what was the age again? Else? What was the age again? Because you broke up then. Under twenty, under twenty-one yep. years old, they have to have been in the country for three years. Okay. So, for example, Cesc Fabregas is homegrown. Um, so, or they just English uh, are the two yep. criteria. Okay. So, but you you don't have to. So that's what counts as homegrown. You don't have to register under twenty-ones. But you can do, unless that's changed, because I've not seen anyone agree with me on this. And I've not seen anyone disagree either, but I've not seen anyone else say this. It definitely used to be the case. So what you can do is, if you're running low on, on homegrown players, you can register a Reese Nelson. But you don't need to. So it's kind of seen as a wasted space if you do. Mm. But to get the homegrown quota, if we, we can't get it any other way, then you can just register them players. The likes of Reese Nelson, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Eddie Nketiah, uh Basically, anyone under 21. And you don't have to play them. There's no... No, 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 you don't have to play them, but yeah. it's basically... You can name a 25-man squad without any of them guys in, and they can, they're still allowed to play. Whereas, if you name them in, in your 25-man squad, it's kind of seen as wasting a space, because you don't need to. Okay. Um, so, you think we're a bit light? On the homegrown, I, I think we're one short... Uh, if well, it depends. But if that's if the likes of Jenko go, which obviously we're all expecting, okay, he so obviously wasn't on our quota last year either. Because I think last year we met the quota exactly, and then since then we've lost Jack. Right. Okay. Um, hack on Larson. What words do you hate most regarding transfers? Any other than linked soon done deal. Likely, report, or very close? <laughs> See, I, I pretty much ignored them all apart from done, which look, I had a 10-minute rant about it last week. Uh, <laughs> I don't think many people heard it because they were too fascinated on what we'd said about other people. But for me, I just can't look past done. Because if I hear reports, I, I just automatically think, oh, someone's made it up. Mm. But just when I see done, it's like someone's confirming something. And obviously, it really grates on me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, for me, it's done. <laughs> on, on, on the um, oh, we're linked with Bella uh, with Dembele and it soon could be done <laughs> likely I'm fucking over it <laughs> done for me yeah, I, so I, I, just, I done. take them with a pinch of salt I'm just yeah. like I, I don't care like, I, I know that's paper talk when I Whereas get when done I get done, excited <laughs> yeah when people say done you think it's done like, yeah. that's what the word means yeah I know yeah. done 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 um Chris, are you worried about the lack of English players being scouted by uh, Sven, or do you think it is just a matter of time before we do? Uh, he, I know we got the Sutherland prospect, 
but more looking for 18 to 22 year olds. Who's a Sutherland prospect? Oh, we signed a 16 year old striker. I can't remember his name from Sunderland. Um, oh, okay. But um, Sam Greenwood, maybe something like that. Yeah. Um, look, we won the under 23s last year with a majorly English team. There was obviously some foreigners in it. Uh, I say foreigners obviously because I'm English. It's not. Um, but yeah, so I think um, there's, there's probably a reason he's not looking too much at them. They're either going to be, if they're prospects, they're going to be at big clubs anyway, so they're going to be really hard to prize away. And we've got some of the best in, obviously, Reese is very highly rated. Um, Maitland-Niles is going to be a first-team player. Willock, uh, I'm a bit 50-50 on. Eddie Nketiah is very highly rated. The only one I would actually want to, well, there's two I'd probably want to sign. Um, and they'd both cost a fortune. Ryan Sessegnon uh, would cost a crazy amount. And uh, Jaden Sancho, who I don't think would be available and would cost probably quite a lot. And also is a first-team player at Dortmund, and, and he wouldn't be at Arsenal. Mm. So... I'm not worried about that at all. And it's not, I know it didn't, he didn't do it for Arsenal, but it's not like Sven ignores the English market because he did sign Jadon Sancho. It just wasn't for Arsenal. Oh, did he? Oh, he made that sign for Dortmund, did he? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. Hacken Larson, is there a better centre midfield than Modric? Uh, probably not, no. no uh, I'm a huge Modric fan, I've said it. I'm not jumping on the World Cup bandwagon. I've said it on here for for as long as I can remember. Uh, no, I don't think there is. Okay. There's, uh, there's probably more all-round players. Uh, there's players that can do more. But for what he does, there's, there's nobody better. In my opinion. Yeah, I'm just thinking. No, I won't say it. <laughs> um... Did did you guys notice that Torreira got pulled out of position after the world after often during the World Cup? He did an amazing job, don't get me wrong, but there was many times against Portugal when he was left he's he left his position when Uruguay was sitting deep to chase the ball, leaving a lot of space behind him. I did notice it. I think well no, I think uh, it was his job to stop Cristiano Ronaldo getting a direct run at the back line because as good as Godin and Jimenez are, and for me Godin is probably the best centre-back in the world, he's not quick. Hmm. So I think it. W- I think he was used more in that game instead of being a, a screen, a total screen, I think it was his job to pretty much just screen Cristiano Ronaldo. Hmm. Um, and obviously the game was a while ago now, but from the top of my head, Ronaldo done pretty much nothing. No. Um, I, one thing I will say, and because it, it annoys me, and it annoyed me, Tottenham fans done it last year. There's a video going around with, oh, look how Torreira handled Cristiano Ronaldo, and it shows him fouling him. Shut up! I can foul Cristiano Ronaldo. Like <laughs> anyone can foul Cristiano Ronaldo. That I really rate Lucas Torreira, but don't say oh, I handled him because there's a video of him going around fouling someone. Like, come off it. <laughs> Actually, I did see that video. Yeah, well, I looked at that and I thought exactly the same. Oh, it's a bit of a fail. It was like yeah. when when Tottenham signed Davison Sanchez, and it annoyed me more because there was Tottenham fans I know that didn't know who he was, Davison Sanchez. I'd seen a little bit of him before, and he fouled. There was a video of Colombia playing Brazil, and I think it was Marcelo. It might have been Danny Alves. It was one of the fullbacks, and Sanchez ran across and absolutely smashed him. And, they, and these Tottenham fans, especially ones that didn't know who Davinson Sanchez was, were, oh, look how strong he was. He completely handled and said much. And I'm thinking, give it a rest. Like, yeah, he's fouled him. Anyone could foul anyone. Like, mm. shut up. 
Yeah, no, there was another one floating around with Messi. Somebody was bossing, they were saying, oh, he, I can't remember what was it was. Yeah, bossing Messi around, I thought, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, have you ever had a discussion, he's still on hack on Larson, have you ever had a discussion with other fans and you feel like you understand players and tactics more than the other person? All the time. This may sound big-headed, but literally all the time. Um, especially, you get a lot of match-going fans that pretty much don't know anything about football, and I kind of get annoyed talking to them because they don't know what they're watching. Um, you also get non-match-going fans that are the same, but obviously I'm at games, so I talk to people. Um, but all the time, I don't. Look, I feel like, this may sound arrogant, but I feel like having worked in the game and having a, a lot of friends that are players, I, I have a knowledge from watching the game, but then I also have a knowledge of how the players think in games. So I can I can talk about what I'm seeing, but I can also know what the players are thinking to an extent. Um, so for me, yeah, all the time. And I'm not trying to be arrogant and saying I know more about football than this person and that person. But a lot of the time, I, that, that is genuinely how I feel. It does, that doesn't mean I can't have a conversation with them. And that doesn't mean that they won't have points that I haven't picked up on or I haven't noticed and they, they won't give me something to think about. But on the whole, I feel like my my knowledge of football is deeper than a lot of people's. I, and just, I don't mean, look, someone, someone's going to come on and say, oh, but you didn't know about such and such in League Two or something like that. And I, <laughs> that's not what I mean. Like when there, there's people that know yeah. Steven is players much better than me. But I think in terms of tactics and, and how players are thinking and what I'm watching, I feel like I build a, a very good picture of that. And uh, not many people I speak to do. I just sit here and listen to you and Schwinn now. It's brilliant. That's my job. Very easy. In all fairness to Schwinn, I feel like he has a very good football knowledge as well. But he's, uh, I don't know how much he said on this, but he's played to a, quite a decent standard. So you kind of have to understand a bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're, you're useless. You don't understand oh, anything. I don't, I, I don't know. I think <laughs> oh, <I'm hopeless. laughs> um, <laughs> that's why I just taught you boys each week. Okay. Uh, what's his name? Savish. Savish. I hope I got that right. Uh, why? Why are people not talking about Leon Bailey as a winger option? Would be cheaper than others. We're looking. Uh, Leon Bailey. Okay. Okay. Uh, looking at, and because of his age, he won't even ask for a starting spot in the team. Plus, Arsenal will be an upgrade for him over Bayer. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, I, I, from what I've seen of Bailey, I, I would, I like him, but I would, pro- it's a very difficult one because I'd want to see him in another year elsewhere. Because at the moment he's shown a hell of a lot of pace. Mm. I would want to know what he's like when people don't allow him to use that pace. And the issue is, if you give him another year and he proves himself, his value skyrockets and everyone wants to look at him. So I think it would be taking a chance, a very big chance. But I do like Bailey. So I I somewhat agree with the question. Mm. But um, yeah, it is a very difficult position. When he'd come in, his name was thrown about, you know, um, geez, a couple of years ago. I haven't heard, heard for a while. I've, I've totally forgot about him, actually. 
He had a couple, he had a spell, maybe a month, I think it was in and around January, where he was electric. I think he scored a lot of goals. He scored one really eye-catching goal where he gave the defender about a 20-yard head start and still beat him to the ball easily. Um, And I think a lot of people realised who he was then. Mm. Um, As I said, it's a difficult one because he's one of them. A lot of clubs will be looking at him but thinking, oh, give it one more year and see how he copes. But as I said, the danger is if he does cope well in that year, then... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Paul Martin, is Nacho going to be sold? And if so, can we play with 10 men each game instead of starting Klozenak? Um, The reports is strange because Nacho's always seemed really happy and seemed to love Arsenal. But the reports are that not he's pushing for it, but he wouldn't mind going back to Spain. He's open to it. And with his age, if someone is open to it, then I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal get rid of him. Um, that's that's the reports. I don't know how true the reports are. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think starting with ten men would be a bad idea. As much as a, a good idea, sorry, as much as I don't rate Kalasanac, I uh, I would rather have eleven than ten. <laughs> and look, let's hope he can. Let's hope Kalasanac can find the form he found in the first five six games of the season when he looked very good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I hope he. I hope he has that. Oh, what do you, it wouldn't be the breakout season, but I hope he does something and continues a strong season all year. Um, geez, you've got to love our listeners, though. Paul, Paul he's, he's going along. Also, will the podcast be five hours long so you can answer all Hack on Larson's questions? Have a good day, boys, or <laughs> <All> lads. <laughs> <laughs> um, Command Guna, I think. Uh, can you give your first impression of our fringe players after the first preseason game? So obviously he's talking about Woolock, Willock, Jenkins. Um, your also also your thoughts on Perez and Papa, the latter not looking that great, but I guess too soon to get worried. Yeah, I said this earlier. I thought Socrates looked probably one of our worst players, but I'm I'm not going to look too deep into that at the moment. Um, Willock I, I, it's just Willock he just ne- he never really does anything he never really impresses he never really looks awful um, Maitland-Niles looked good uh, he looked ready he looked strong he always looks fast um, uh, said Rose Smith looked good uh, I, I wouldn't count him as a fringe player yet but he looked good uh, Perez yeah buzzed about uh, got an assist and yeah he looked, he looked decent um Again, that, that, look, you're never going to watch that game and think, oh, we've got to keep this guy. Mm. On the flip side, you shouldn't look at it. And if he was awful, you shouldn't say, oh, we've definitely got to sell him. It is, you just got to take it for what it is. It's the first preseason friendly against a team five or six or four leagues below us. Yeah, OK. Um, G, J, E, I think, or, or Jeff. Uh don't you think that it's quite underrated that Arsenal has appointed the number one performance expert, Darren Burgess? Port Adelaide became the most fittest team in the AFL under his supervision. He must watch AFL. Um, we really lacked fitness last season. It was evidence in the se- evident in the second match against Atletico. Yeah, I mean, fitness is difficult. It's all subjective to how much you played and and it also depends on the person. Some people, like Croatia, really thrived on playing every two or three days and playing extra time. 
the rumour is that Croatia didn't train in the last few weeks of the World Cup. And it meant by the time that so they played and then they done warm downs and then they played again, pretty much. I don't know how true that is. Uh, it happened to Chelsea a few years ago and it really suited them because the players were always well up for it. They didn't need to be... They were always match ready. Um, so it's subjective to the group and the, and the person as well with AFL. Uh, I'd imagine... I mean, they get hit a lot more, don't they, than, than you do in football. So I'd imagine a lot of the recovery comes down to that. Whereas football, I mean, yeah, they do take contact, but nowhere near as much. Uh, look, let's hope it's a good thing. I can only hope it's a good thing. I can't say it's definitely going to be a good thing. I hope it is. Yeah, look, I don't know. He's, he, he, I don't know much about, you know, Darren Burgess, Burgess and, and fitness coaches and stuff, but he, he seems to – I think he was at Liverpool as well, Um for a couple of years, so he, he, he was is somewhere, and then he went to the AFL. Yeah, and then he is, he, yeah, he, I think he was at Liverpool before he went to uh, the AFL. So he's he, he knows he knows his shit. I, I'm not worried. I think he'll be fine. Um, yeah, I'm not worried, but I'm saying I don't know if he's going to improve us. I don't know. I'm not saying he won't. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know. So I don't know much about fitness people and stuff. So. Okay, G also asks, which team in order would you want us to really humiliate this season? Now, he's listed his as Man United because he's uh, Lingard's dancing irks him. Manchester City, 3-0 defeat twice. Spurs, they always think it's a trophy when they beat us. And Liverpool, 4-0 defeat was gutty. All of them. Uh, look, I don't favour beating one team over another, really. When you're in the ground, the Tottenham games always feel different. They have a different feeling in the ground. There is no two ways about it. So if you were saying you could only win one of them, and it may sound, sound, sound as bad because obviously we say, oh, Tottenham fans act like they won a trophy. So for me to say I'd prefer to beat them over the others probably does sound a bit bad. But it does have that different feeling when you're in the ground, both home and away. Um but I want to beat all of them. I'd rather beat them all by one than beat one of them by six and then draw the others or whatever. Yeah, obviously, you know, Spurs is one that we we also enjoy beating, but I just, I would love to, you know, a 6 nil defeat over Manchester United. Can you imagine JSA's face? <laughs> Mourinho, he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can't. Okay, Julia... <laughs> Uh, do you see Maitland-Niles taking... <laughs> Gee, I don't believe I'm reading this question. Do you see Maitland-Niles taking Shaka's place in the starting eleven against Liverpool, Manchester City, Spurs, Man United and Chelsea? He says, I do because Niles has pace, which Shaka lacks, and he's has great ability on the ball than El Nani. I mean... No, I don't see it. Yes, he's quicker than Xhaka, and yeah, um, he's he's more progressive than El Nenny. He's not as safe, and sometimes you need safe. But look, for me, I, I think in our most solid team would be probably as if we are going to play a free Torreira, Xhaka, Ramsey, and I don't think you go you've got a team for a, a big game. And I think Maitland-Niles is probably better when he has more space to work in, um, and he can beat a man and, and whatnot. So. For me, I wouldn't be looking at it to play him in the in the like just in the big games. I know, but man. it could be a case if he works his way into the team. To be honest, he he looked so good at times last year, mm. but 
I don't think it's a case of, oh, we've got a big game, we play him because his running power is better because you've got Ramsey for the box-to-box. And I think people that often compare compare um, Xhaka to, to Maitland-Niles, but I think in terms of he's going to be more of our box-to-box, our engine player, because Maitland-Niles can run. Mm. And I think if you have him and Ramsey together, you're going to end up leaving yourself as exposed as we was last year. No, well, that's what I was just about to say, like, where's it coming from if you don't have Shaka on the field? Like, I know, you, I think we've got Man City up first and then obviously Chelsea are, like, third game in or something like that, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, you've you got to go Grant Shaka to start with. But in saying that, I, we don't know what Emery is going to do with the best, of the, get the best out of these players. I, I think... You don't even know if Torreira's going to be back. Yeah. Or, well, he's going to be back, sorry. We don't know how fit he's going to be. Yeah, so... Oh, look, obviously, it's it's as you, for the reasons you just said. Granite Shaka's got to start. You, you can't have two pacey midfielders or two quick midfielders um, dominating the, the the possession because yeah, you leave yourself exposed, as you said. So, um, look, there might be a time when, time when that works. If we're playing a lesser team and he still wants to play a four three three, there may be a time where you go Torreira and you drop Zach Shaka and go for the two players that are going to affect the game higher up the pitch. There will be times when Jack is not right for the game, and as much as you don't want to hear that. But I don't think big games are, are that. Mm. Oh, look, I wouldn't mind, uh, a, not a replacement for Jack, but I wouldn't mind him to, to see him not starting so many games. Keep in mind, he played, I think, close to 40-something games last season. I would imagine more, to be honest. That, that's That's... You know, like there was no, and I think it was him and Bellerin. Yeah. With it, with it, you know. Um, okay, David, most certainly. Question one out of two. He's got two questions. Can fans be happy for ex Arsenal players like Giroud when they achieve something and still be loyal to the club? Saw an idiot tweet at Arsenal for, for congratulating Giroud. Well, I'm happy for Giroud. Maybe, maybe I'm an idiot as well. And from the sounds of the question, he's happy for Giroud. I'm happy. So, yeah, I'm I, happy. I'd imagine the vast majority are. Look, the guy gave his all for our club. And as long as it's not against us, I wish him all the best. And not every player, it's not every player we like that with. But he's one of them. He wore his heart on his sleeve. He clearly loved being at Arsenal. He, he had a good relationship with the fans, especially match going. I know he gets a lot of abuse on Twitter sometimes. But on the whole, he had a good relationship with fans. Um he always tried his heart out. His ability was sometimes questionable, but there's nothing he can do about that. His ability is his ability. If we could all change our ability, we'd all be professional footballers. So all you can do is try and maximise your ability and try your hardest, and Giroud's certainly done that. So as long as it doesn't affect Arsenal, I wish him all the best. I wanted Chelsea to win the FA Cup final, one, because I hate Man United, and two, because Olivier Giroud was playing. Mm. Um, had, had they not had Giroud, I probably still would have wanted to win him, but only slightly, because I hate both the clubs. But... Yeah, as long as it has no effect on Arsenal, I want Giroud to do well. Okay, why do so many uh, why do so many fans get offended? Please don't stop giving your honest banter. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Some people take things to heart. Some don't. That's it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. How to answer. I'm not going to stop. I, look, I, I come on here for for fun. Uh, I speak about things I want to speak about, and I speak my mind. I've always been honest on here. I'm not going to change that. And some people will like it, and some people won't. Yeah. If you don't like it, then that, that's on you, not me. 
We don't put a gun to your head and say you have to listen. No, we might we might have a few more listeners if we did. But. <laughs> Hack on Larson, lucky last question. He had to get one in, didn't he? <laughs> um, not Arsenal related. Oh, well, that's fucking shit. Okay. <laughs> but imagine PSG right now. Yep. Mbappe, World Cup winner. And Neymar, World Cup diving cunt rolling bitch. <laughs> Will Neymar be looking to leave? With all the excitement around Mbappe, Neymar will not be happy to be number two at PSG or at any other club. Me and Schwinn literally had this conversation last night, and you you wasn't really talking, but I'm sure, I'm assuming you've read it. You, you're in the WhatsApp group, and I said to Schwinn, "I'll be amazed, well not amazed, I'll be surprised if they're both at PSG at the start of the season." And he was really shocked, uh, and it's pretty much for the exact reasons that um, that Hakon just said. I don't know which one of them will go, but there's already rumours that like, we know PSG. I mean, we know Neymar pretty much manages the club and does what he wants. And there's rumours that him and Mbappe have fallen out over his attitude, um, and that's not going to get any easier now. Mbappe's become a much bigger star than he was a month ago, so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if one of them goes. And look, if I, I I said this, if I was Real Madrid and I'm looking to replace Ronaldo. I'm not saying in terms of player, but in terms of star quality and ability, the, the potential, everything. I'd be chucking everything at Mbappe. I'm, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I don't think none of them will go this window. I think that's yeah, possible. I, I think they'll both st- both stay. Um, Neymar one more season at PSG, and but and I don't think PSG. I think they'd be mad to let. Mbappe go. The, the issue with one more year is now's the time because Ronaldo's gone now. There's only one club that's an option. And if that one club, being Real Madrid, replaces Ronaldo this summer with whoever, where what's available next year? Well, He's not going to go back to... Well, who, who's available this year if you rule out Neymar and Mbappe out of the mix? Harry Kane? But, Kane, Lewandowski, Hazard. Yeah, Lewandowski would probably be the one that I would think. Think, but I know no. I'm I'm no fucking in the know. <laughs> but I would think he'd be the easiest to get at the moment, wouldn't he? I think Hazard probably would be. But does Hazard offer you the goals that Ronaldo to replace well, Ronaldo? That's, this, is what, this is what I said yesterday. That Hazard, while he's an exceptional player, I still think you probably have to sign one other. But saying that. If you sign any of them apart from Neymar or Mbappe, you probably have to, you'll probably have to sign two of them. Because and then Neymar stays one, next year because you think if they if they, if they sign them, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think mm. the issue is I would agree with you that next year is the time, but now is the time that the buyers are available. And when you've only got one buyer, which you have in world football, the two options are Real Madrid or Barcelona. Barcelona are not an option, so you've got one buyer. And they are ready to buy now. Mm. So Do you know what the, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the PSG ready to sell. It now. depends how happy the players are. Look, they're going to make a huge profit on whoever it is. It'll be a world record transfer. And if the player's not happy, it depends if they think they can win the Champions League. Mm. If PSG don't sign anyone else, this, this may sound very stupid. If they don't sign anyone else... I think they'll be open to letting one of them go because they've seen they were well short of winning the Champions League 
signing Buffon on a free is not enough to make them a Champions League winner. So they'll probably think we're going to win the French League and not win the Champions League anyway, whether we keep one of the keep these players or not. So they'll probably sell one of them. Whereas if they go big with a signing again, I don't know who, if they make a big signing, that's their intent to try and win the Champions League, which means they'll want to keep all of their other players. There is also a financial fair play aspect as well. Mm, yeah, what is the story with that? I don't know. I mean, they must be well over it, but they structure their deals in such a way. I think technically Neymar doesn't even belong to them. He belongs to Qatar or whatever country it is that that, that owns PSG and and they loan him for a million pound a week or some stupidness. It's all ways of getting around financial fair play, but mm. there, there's got to be a time when an issue comes into it. It's a very interesting one at the moment just because Real Madrid are available now and that Real Madrid are very much known for getting what Real Madrid want and not hurting and not caring who they hurt in the process. Uh, I was listening to an interview a couple of days ago about Real Madrid and they said in Spain, there's not even, obviously I'm in Spain now, there's not even uproar about um, about them nicking the, the Spain manager two days before the tournament started because it's just what Real Madrid do. They were saying people would be going mad if it was anyone else, including Barcelona. But Real Madrid is just known. It's like, oh, they're going to be dickheads, but they'll get what they want. Mm-hmm. And it's just accepted because they do it so often. Mm. Mm. Oh, interesting. Because I was listening to a um, another podcast. Well, it was actually the Sky Transfer Talk podcast. And they were um, talking there that um, if Real Madrid go for Hazard, Barcelona may also be interested as well. So, uh, I, I don't see where and why. No, I, I well, type it through, mate, because I thought, well, where does he fit? Is it more of a just... A... Well, I mean, that, that would mean, and I'm not trying to link him with Arsenal, but that would 100% mean Dembele's gone. Yeah. yeah. Because obviously they've just signed Coutinho for mega money. I know people are going to say, oh, they've got a gap now because they've sold Paulinho again. But they've, all, they've signed uh, another Brazilian midfielder. So you'd imagine that space is where that's taken up. I, I can't see it. I can't see it at all. Mm. To be honest, I might be wrong. I, well, I, 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 I was type of thinking whether it's just a, a fuck you, <laughs> like you're not having him for Barcelona, like because Barcelona know that Real Madrid are going to struggle, you know, you know, replacing Ronaldo with the goals. So, okay, we're going to sign Hazard and what fifty, sixty million. Well, we'll we'll make you pay eighty million for it. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, I this is—I don't know. This, I was talking to, I've spoke to a few people about this, and it's going off topic. I have no idea what Hazard's worth because for me, he's better than Coutinho, and Coutinho went for what 130 million. Yeah. But then he, he kind of wants out um, of Chelsea. They're in the Europa League, but I just don't see him as a 170 million pound player. No, I don't know why, I don't. and I love him. I really, really rate him, but it's a very weird one. I, I don't know. I wouldn't even know where to start. What's your opening offer for an Eden Hazard? I don't know. Hmm. Like, it? It's a very tough one. Yeah, I, th- I thought 60 to, 60 to 70, but obviously... But that, then, that won't even touch the sights. Yeah, no. Don't know. <laughs> have, a, yeah. have a look and at that transfer remember, market. Not, not, not that financials are an issue for Real Madrid, but you've got to remember, they, I say only, they've only got 100 million in for Ronaldo. So... Are they going to want to go and spend 50 million more on a Hazard who is not as effective or on anyone apart from Mbappe and Neymar who isn't as effective? I don't know. It's, it's a very mm. it's a very interesting situation. What's Lewandowski worth? I don't know. <laughs> don't know. 200? For me, no. But 
transfer fees are so subjective. It's like I was saying to, sorry, I forgot his name, the guy that was in Minnesota that asked the question on our live callers. Chibi, yeah, sorry. Uh, their transfer fees are now more about what the player's worth to the club. Whereas before, every player had a value and they sort of, they were linked. So if one player was worth something and someone was a little bit better, they were worth a little bit more. But the money in football now seems to make it that every player's, not, it's not based on their ability. It's a play, mm. based on their value to their current club. Mm-hmm. So, so, so yeah. it just makes everything so messy. Because look, for me, based on, on what we've seen, and I know it's only based on a World Cup, but Torreira is not a 20... No, I mean, I mean, he's worth a lot more. He's not a £25 million player. He's worth a hell of a lot more based on what we've seen. But then you look at where he's come from and, and, and whatnot, and... And it bases his value just around on his situation, not on his ability. And I think in years gone by, everything was based on ability. And But now a transfer fee is based on so much more than just how good you are at football. Is there a sneaky sign that, that they can just, that we're not thinking of? Somebody else, apart from the obvious of Mbappe, Neymar? Well, I, I think that you've got to not, I don't mean it in terms of actual number of shirts sold, but you've got to replace the shirt sales. Not in terms of value. I mean, you've got to have a star name. You're Real Madrid. Do you know what I mean? You have to have mm. a big name. And I even question if Hazard falls into that big name bracket or not. Forget ability. They need a superstar. Mm. And so where, the reason I don't see a, a sneaky sign in is if they sign someone that's good but not a superstar, I don't think that fits. Well, for me, a sneaky sign is Harry Kane, but he's not. He's. For, I, I think he's. And I'll probably get in a bit of shit from a couple of Arsenal supporters here. He is probably one of the best top, maybe three or four strikers that there is in football today. I completely and, agree with you. But is he that name that's going to sell your shirts? Possibly, because he's done it in the Premier League. Because as much as the, the Premier League always claims to be the best league in the world and La Liga fans will disagree with it, but there's that respect between the two. If someone's done it in the Premier League, they want to see if they can do it in, in Spain and vice versa. Mm. So Kane maybe is that shirt seller. He also scored against Real Madrid this year, I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure he scored when they beat them. Yeah, he scored. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. No, no, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, Kane probably, yes. Mm. this has got an issue there's so much to sign for Real Madrid there's so many important factors and unfortunately as I said with the way football is now it's not only ability Mm. as a Premier League would you like you know and and we're Arsenal fans but would you like to see Harry Kane go or you'd like to see him in the Premier League still I'd love to see him go I'll drive him if he wants (laughs) the only reason I ask that because you often hear you know when when obviously Ronaldo signed and the boys from uh, our mates from Italian Fan TV, they're excited just to have him in the in the Serie A. Yeah, the Italian league's weird though. <laughs> it's so weird. But no, I don't. I don't actually mean this disrespectfully, but I saw fans of other clubs moaning that Torreira was going out of the league. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, I think look, the Premier League's always going to be marketable. For the, whoever does the PR for the Premier League is an absolute genius. But. I want the Premier League to be as weak as possible so Arsenal can win it. <laughs> we got another we got another fucking option, haven't we? <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I know what you're I saying. Think it's so yeah. weird the way but Italian and if you look at Italians, it's like 
okay, there is examples, but Bonucci going from Juventus to, to AC Milan, very, like, that would never happen in England, or very, very rarely. In Italy, it happens all the time. Well, the best no, players no, go from no one goal, Italian... He just went from Roma to bloody uh, Inter. Inter, yeah, it's just... Yeah. The Italian league is, I don't want to say weird, it's different. It's like a, a rule on its own, mm. where the players are just happy to move, or the clubs are happy to sell to each other, and they want the best for the league, whereas here we just want, the clubs, selling clubs want to get the most money, but they also don't want to put themselves at this. Like, you see how mad we go as Arsenal fans when we lost the players to City and United, obviously mm. Sanchez, Van Persie, Adebayor, Torre, Clichy. God, this feels like a long list. But <laughs> we're, we're gutted when they go to rivals. When Alex Song went, and to an extent when Fabregas went, we, I mean, we cared because we lost good players, but we, we wasn't, like, really annoyed about it. Whereas with uh, Nasri, like, we were fuming. And the same with Adebayor and the same with Van Persie. And in Italy, that just doesn't seem to exist. It's like, oh, okay, they've gone whatever. Yeah. Like, at least they're still in the league. They're happy. Yeah, they're, they're happy, happy they're oh, in the league, yeah. And in England, it's the exact opposite. It's like, look, Fabregas gets an easy ride from Arsenal fans. Uh, we still he still gets clapped at the Emirates. Nasri, he'd get booted out of the Emirates. <laughs> and and the only difference is Nasri actually behaved better. But the difference is Nasri went to a rival and Fabregas didn't. Mm. <laughs> but whereas in Italy they'd, they'd probably do it the other way around. They'd boo Fabregas for leaving the country and making their league weaker. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. No, and I've heard it this week that you know Napoli fans I've spoke to and Inter fans and and Milan fans and. I, we're going to we're talking about it. Getting the boys from the Italian fan TV on, have a yak to them because they are just happy that Ronaldo has come to the Serie A. Yeah, I, I don't get it. As a, as a Roma fan, well, as a Roma fan, I'm fucking quite shit myself. But anyway, yeah, it's strange. I don't, I don't understand it. Okay, um, well, that's about it. Eh? That's a wrap. You happy? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Schwinn will hopefully be back with us, E2, and hopefully be back with us next week. Yeah, he's in South Africa with his one megabyte per year Wi-Fi, so his quality may not be the best. <laughs> For a bloke who can uh, cruise around on first-class aeroplanes, but fucking shit internet in oh, fucking... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if we criticise it enough, he'll get a shuttle to the Wi-Fi space station and have a million gigabytes per second. <laughs> anyway thank you for listening thank you for downloading you've been listening to the clock and talk and Arsenal podcast um, Tez and Tony we are out and Schwinn will be back next week see ya it's not coming home